Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W.com. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. Go to our website and click Support Us to see how you can help bring the good news of eternal life to one million people this year. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. Our world is a paradox. While fewer people than ever believe in God, spiritual warfare likely has never been greater. Satan rejoices when folks doubt his existence. That means he has free reign to mislead, isolate, subjugate, and humiliate them and use them against others. Are any of these typical of you or those coming against you or some folks you know? Indecision, distraction, confusion, high emotions, lack of logic, false accusation, interpersonal conflict, isolation, being pursued in dreams. If so, listen particularly closely today because we're going to be discussing practical spiritual warfare, a call to battle from Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 12. This is the first in a series. Remember that the spiritual is of much greater power than the physical. I know most people believe the other way around, but they're wrong, and I'll show you. God, who is spirit, made the universe and everything in it in only six days, resting the seventh. A good example for us. Lucifer, the Lord's head angel, rebelled against him to start sin, strife, and spiritual warfare. Revelation 12 tells us one-third of the heavenly host followed the devil. And all of those were cast out of heaven when they lost. Unfortunately, many made their way to earth and introduced humanity to sin through Eve and then Adam. Would have been the same for you and me had we been those first two people. Now, today, the conflict between Yahweh, the only true God, and Satan, his adversary, once Lucifer, the head angel, involves not only those two, but everything and everyone in creation. Jesus in Luke 11.23 says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Christ also says in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is very significant because Yahweh means, that is the personal name of God, literally I am that I am, the self-existent one. And so Jesus is saying, I am God, and I am the only way to be saved. Those not with the Lord, then, are with his enemy, the devil. Now, this rarely is a conscious choice among people. There are even a share of non-Christians who have some decent values. However, because they're not saved, Satan can more easily hoodwink them and use them against believers. Have you noticed that the world virtually everywhere is dividing into just two camps? One usually is trying to move forward, espousing truth, stressing unity, appealing to logic, and using facts. The other generally is attempting to retard progress, go backwards, pushing falsehoods, bringing division, appealing to emotions, and attacking facts rather than addressing them. That doesn't mean that Christians are always in God's spirit or that they're immune to Satan's attacks. 
We just looked a couple of weeks ago at the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit and found believers, if they're not pursuing God, can get into devilish works like dividing, hate, uncontrolled emotion, and more. The devil also tries to hamper those who are effective in the kingdom of God. The difference is for those tormented in mind, the battle largely may be internal. But when someone is taking ground from the enemy actively, Satan sends other people against him or her. Why do you think that so many churches are in uproar today? I hardly know of any church that is making a difference for Jesus Christ in which people are not coming against it internally and externally, including eternity now. Now, for example, as far as this principle is concerned, Paul started the church at Ephesus, which is going to be that letter to them, our source for today's main scripture. He went first in founding that church to the Jewish synagogue in town. He generally did this because he came out of Judaism. He was well known throughout the Middle East for his passion, his intelligence, his articulate nature. And he would go to these synagogues, and usually he would win a few people at least. However, those at the Jewish synagogue were treacherous, and he decided to withdraw from them. But God worked it together for good. He allowed Paul to use the school of Tyrannus, and so he taught both Jews and Gentiles there, which would not have been possible had he gone to the temple. The Lord also gave Paul special powers, such as healing from claws that he had touched. We see that in Acts chapter 19 and verses 11 and 12. Unfortunately, many televangelists, including one I saw just this week, have abused that principle. They seem to think that they're Paul and that you can be healed from their prayer clause, which usually costs you at least $100 a month. He also got, though, many to throw out their books of magic and drugs so that they burned $5 million worth in Ephesus. At the same time, the devil just kept coming at him. In 1 Corinthians 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Those things usually go hand in hand. There's a great opportunity, and the devil doesn't want people to go through that door to open it to Jesus Christ, to have him come into thine and to be saved. Those adversaries are trying to stop the work of God. Paul's ministry got local silversmiths worried over whether their trade in handmade idols would be hurt. And Paul and his friends almost died at the hands of a mob that filled an entire stadium. The great apostle had to leave town. And he bid his farewell not in Ephesus, but Miletus. Because the devil had stirred up so many against him. So let us now examine one of the premier passages in the Word of God concerning spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 12. Verse 10, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let me say it again. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I say that to you today too. The word here for strong in the original Koine Greek means to be empowered. Friends, we're not going to be able to defeat the devil by just trying to gin up emotion. By trying to work out and do the bench press, physical exercise is of some value, Paul himself says, but not like godliness, which is always profitable to everyone in the maximum. 
Now, we're empowered by God when we are seeking him in discipleship and open to what he is saying and doing with us. We need to be baptized in water in obedience to Christ. Want to have spiritual power? Want to be blessed? Do what God told you to do. Read and follow scripture. These words are spirit and they are life, Jesus Christ says in John 6, 63. Pray. Without praying very little is going to happen for the kingdom of God's good. Go to services at church as well as Bible studies inside and outside the four walls. Fellowship with other Christians. Build that family of God and that fighting force that's going to be able to take souls from the enemy. And pursue personal relationship with Almighty God. Remember, this is the Lord who is accessible, who wants to have fellowship with you, who loves you, who created you individually in soul, and started that process to create your very body, every single cell. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he tells us, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He's the most important thing in all of the universe, my friend. And he cares for you and me. So if that's how we're empowered, then how are we disempowered? How are we made weak so that we become victims of the devil? Well, let's look at the opposite. And let's be honest about whether our behavior lines up. We refuse to be baptized or otherwise keep Jesus's commandments. We fail to read, know, or follow scripture. We don't pray, or if we do, we ask wrongly, Oh God, please give me a new car. Oh Lord God, please give me a new wife. This old one here, she's just not really good. Think he's going to regard that when he says he hates divorce? We never have time to attend worship or Bible study, though each is only an hour or two a week. We spend time almost exclusively with unsaved people. We think of God as distant and unknowable. Let's also look now at what's happening in the modern American church and how it lines up. Baptisms are down significantly in the Southern Baptist Convention and other evangelical bodies. Only one of every six churchgoers even knows what the Great Commission is. Go ye therefore in all the world to every nation and give that good news so that people will be saved. But five out of six people, even in the pews, don't even know what it is and they don't want to follow it. Almost no one goes to prayer meetings and the prosperity gospel is popular. Hey, you want to have a Rolls Royce? You just follow God. Boy, what a bunch of poppycock that one is. But they get people to send their money and that's how they continue. Fewer than a quarter of American Christians attend even one service a month online or in person. The typical believer has only nine spiritually based conversations in a year, once every 40 days. You know what happened? In 40 days and nights, the great flood destroyed all upon the earth except eight souls. No wonder Christians might think that God's distant. They are not even seeking him. Let's go to Ephesians 6 verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles means the schemes of the devil. Every single person is in a spiritual battle at some level. However, few realize this and they quickly become casualties. As we're going to talk about later, if you do not choose Christ, then you have chosen the enemy by default. This verse talks about the individual putting on this armor. A group of Christians as the church is supposed to storm those gates of hell. 
But the devil often comes at us as individuals. Why is that? Because it's so much easier for him to divide and conquer us, plus stop us from uniting to rescue others. A house divided against itself cannot stand. That wasn't original to Abraham Lincoln. It was original to Jesus the Christ, son of the living God. So we have to not only be in a good church, like eternity now, online or in person, we must know how to withstand Satan's attacks alone, personally, individually. The devil likes to come at our mind, which continues to be renewed throughout our life in Christ. Hollywood tends to present spiritual warfare as almost outlandish. Mary's baby, the Amityville horror. Poltergeists, gremlins, Halloween. However, Satan is usually far more intelligent as well as subtle. He plants thoughts in our heads, getting us thinking about it, indulging ourselves, whether it's sexually or in some other sinful fashion. Uh, maybe he makes us fearful of others so that we overreact and we cause ourselves problems. He'll pit us against another person so we concentrate on defeating him or her rather than doing God's will. The key to stopping this kind of problem is having control of our thinking. Yes, you can control your thoughts. We see this from our brother Paul in another section of scripture, 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I can just feel the Holy Spirit power in that as I read it. When that thought of revenge, hate, lust, or some other sin comes into our mind, we need to take it to the Lord in prayer immediately. Lord God, get that out of my thinking. Let me have love, power, and sound mind. I need to think on whatever is true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, or praiseworthy. <laughs> Help me, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. So be it. And that prayer is scripture. 2 Timothy 1.7 and Philippians 4.8. My friend, it is best to pray the scriptures. As the Lord God Jehovah himself says in Isaiah 55, that his word shall not return void. It, it will not fail, but it shall accomplish that for which he said it. And that is bringing you perfect peace in Christ Jesus. I do this myself. I pray the scripture, especially when I'm under attack. And I'm going to tell you what to do if that first volley does not fully turn away the enemy. Then pray Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Lord God, let the peace that surpasses all understanding guard my heart and guard my mind in Christ Jesus, having made my request known to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So be it. You also can call a friend, a relative, a pastor. My number is 806-463-8793. Text or call. 1-806-463-8793. You can also email me, K-H-U-C-K-I-N-S at eternitynow.com. You can also get a prayer line to come to God in agreement, which is powerful. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20, that wherever two or more 
are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And so that prayer shall be done to those who ask and believe. And you know what? You and I are two or more gathered in his name, are we not? We have hit that requirement and we're going to pray later, not only for salvation, but also for each other. When I'm under attack and pray, I find that the Lord often gets me on to something else so that I'm not stewing on the problem. I had a good friend who was a Christian licensed professional counselor, Brother Larry. And he said, whatever you focus on, it becomes bigger in your life. So if you focus on God, God becomes more in your life. If you focus on the, he becomes that which you concentrate upon. If you are thinking about man's approval, that becomes so powerful to you and will be unto you. Within a short time, after he's got me onto something else, the evil is gone. I am able to go on and I might even have that particular problem cross my mind, but I'm not focused on it anymore because God's handling it. If you want to head off as much spiritual warfare as possible each and every day, then start that day with prayer and reading the good word of God. Get that spirit and life into you. Thank God for his goodness. Ask him to guide you in his wisdom. Make you more like Jesus Christ and refuse to give in to the devil one little bit. Follow it up with reading from wherever he leads you to. Friend, if you want to find out about the love of God and the power of God, I recommend that you go to the Gospel of John. We've just been finishing studying the book of Revelation verse by verse. And all those are online, by the way, the Revelation Bible study. You can go to YouTube to be able to get a playlist of them. But the Gospel of John is so special. It's a unique gospel. It was written after the others. And John was the closest to Jesus Christ of all of the 12. That man was touched so much by the Lord, he never married. He was married to Jesus from the very beginning. He followed him probably from when he was 14 or 15 years old, all the way to the end when he was probably well over 90 years old. On the Isle of Patmos, he was in his 80s. And he loved Jesus Christ as much then as he did in the beginning and probably even more. And let's go to verse 12, very famous verse in Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We look at the original Greek, we see this verse refers to several different levels of satanic ranks, a bit like Colossians 1.16 does of God's forces. Rulers here, the rulers of darkness, is arche, or high officials. Powers is exousia, or those with delegated authority. Principalities is cosmocrator, almost like creator of the cosmos, the highest level of the wicked world similar to that angel in Daniel 10, 13, fighting the prince of Persia to be able to get to that great prophet. One major mistake that many make in spiritual warfare is focusing too much on the evil forces. The very first heretics in Christianity, the Gnostics, taught this verse means a soul can be trapped in a world made by an evil creator. They were forever adding to the word of God, saying it's just not enough. There's another level out there. That only the ordinary Christian can't get to. They're, they're just carnal people. 
But we people are truly spiritual. No, what happened is the devil got captive in their mind and they caused division. And they were the first ones drummed out of the church. They forgot what so many do. The enemy does not create but destroy. God alone is the creator and the author of life. Satan is the author of death. And this is key to successful spiritual warfare. Our focus must be on the Lord and his power to deliver. Not targeting or trying to figure out what the minions of Satan are up to. You, you could think of that. And there are myriad possibilities for them. Just as there are so many different things that you could do in the course of a day, even yourself. No, just focus on God, his power, his deliverance, and doing what is necessary in him to be able to be free of the devil. The second major mistake many make in spiritual warfare is targeting the people coming against us. That's why this verse says we're not fighting flesh and blood. Friends, people are flesh and blood. They have a spiritual nature, but as I just said, every single one is in a spiritual battle, and two major forces much more powerful than we are are going back and forth, God and the devil. If you don't believe it, just read Job. It's really clear from the very beginning. Psalm 37, 1 says, do not fret because of evildoers. <laughs> Later on, it says it only does harm. Worrying of any kind doesn't help you. You know why? Because it makes the problem bigger. And we're not to be double-minded going back and forth, back and forth. Because if we really stew on something a while, almost everything has possible good and possible bad side to it. We become basically immobilized because we have made the problem our God. Now, we need to be taking on Satan and his demons through God, not individually, but through God. Jude verse 9 says, Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. You see, the power is not me. The power isn't he who is within me. He who is within you is greater than any, right? And the Lord is in us in the Holy Spirit. So we say to the devil, Satan, the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and it shall be done. We have six takeaways from this first in our series on spiritual warfare. Number one, we're in direct spiritual warfare if we are engaging in or tempted by the works of the flesh or those doing those works come against us. We're in direct spiritual warfare if we're engaging in or tempted by the works of the flesh or those doing those works come against us. To remind you of this, Galatians 5 verses 19 to 21, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. The fruit of the Spirit, oh, so much more positive, and a much shorter list in verses 22 to 23 of that chapter. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, for more on both groups, you can go to EternityNow.com, go to our multimedia page, and see my message, Spirit versus Flesh, The Change of a Lifetime. It's also on our Facebook page, as well as YouTube. 
We can test where we are in the Lord and where those coming against us are by using these two lists. If somebody is trying to cause division in the house of God, they are working for the devil. They may think they're serving God, but they are sadly mistaken. They haven't obviously read the Bible very closely or given it very much heed if they have passed through it once or twice. Number two, the spiritual controls the physical. So if we're attacked in mind or person, we need to align ourselves inwardly and outwardly with the Lord God. The spiritual controls the physical. So if we're attacked in mind or person, we need to align ourselves inwardly and outwardly with the Lord God. Taking every thought captive to Christ, as 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, is very important. Should we need help? We continue to pray, and we go to other believers, even me as pastor, for prayer support. Number three, speaking of prayer, prayer is of vital importance in winning spiritual battles. Prayer is of vital importance in winning spiritual battles. I recommend you pray the scripture. Here's four particular passages I think are key. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace. He whose mind is stayed on you, trusting in you. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Also, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 8. Philippians 4, verses 6 to 8. And let the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your heart and guard your mind in Jesus Christ, having made your petitions known to God. And make sure that you're focused on those things that are good, right, just, lovely, etc. 2 Timothy 1, 7. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of sound mind. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1, 7. And also 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Taking captive to Christ every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of our great God. Number four. Should we be attacked in spiritual warfare? That does not mean we're doing something wrong. Usually, it's because we're dangerous to the devil. Should we be attacked in spiritual warfare, that doesn't mean we're doing something wrong. Usually, it is because we are dangerous to that old devil. In Ephesus, Paul was taking souls from the kingdom of darkness. Satan sent Jews and Gentiles, pagans and false brethren against him. In the end, our brother Paul prevailed. And he is now called the great apostle by many. Number five, head off spiritual warfare by continuing in the steps of discipleship. Head off spiritual warfare by continuing in the steps of discipleship. Be baptized, read scripture, pray, go to services, fellowship with the faithful, pursue personal relationship with God. And friend, the first thing each day, pray to God and read his Bible. Possess that land, know what's in that word, and ask God for it, and you'll find your days are so much better. We win, number six, we win in spiritual warfare by focusing on God, not Satan, not people. We win in spiritual warfare by focusing on God, not Satan, and not people. The Bible doesn't give us a great deal of information on how the enemy is organized, so we need to go to who has the real power. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. <laughs> that's right. Oh, my friend, the Bible has everything that's needed 
to be able to have a good life in Christ, to be able to have wisdom and godliness. We need to champion what's in it, not be like those Gnostics who said, that's not enough. That's not going to cut it for us. We're a lot deeper than everybody else. No, what happened is they were taken captive by the devil in large part. Now, in God's sight, as we said, there are only really two groups of people. In his eternal view, it's the saved and the unsaved. Across the globe, we're seeing battles fought by two camps. Are you in the right camp, that of Jesus Christ? If you have never consciously turned to Jesus, then you are not with him. Not deciding whether to follow our Lord is to be unsaved, and it is to head to hell, to be a goat and not one of the sheep. Only those who bow their knee to Jesus and follow him go to heaven. It's not a perfection. Not that we have to score 100%, but friends, we've got to follow our Lord. We've got to repent when we're wrong, and we've got to try to do what's right. If you're not with the Lord yet, or if you've been away from him for a while, having made perhaps a commitment to him when you were a child, we're going to lead you in a prayer of rededication as well as salvation here in just a moment. But I want to explain to you what's involved. There are four essentials to salvation. Number one is to repent of sin and ask God's forgiveness for what you've done wrong and omitted doing right. Every last one of us, including yours truly, the pastor, needs to ask God's forgiveness day by day. Secondly, we believe that Jesus Christ rose in body and spirit that third day in the tomb. Friends, we're all going to be resurrected. It depends to where. And so surely Jesus has been resurrected by the power of God. And we who follow him, we who believe in him, we who have bowed the knee to him, we will be resurrected to life where the rest are resurrected to damnation. We also confess faith in him. If you say with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And then we follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, not in legalism, but in relationship. And he will forgive any time that we come short. Peter was trying to get in good with God one day. And he went and said, oh, good teacher, how many times must I forgive my brother who sins against me? Three times or seven times? See, the teaching of the day was three. And so he was thinking he was getting in good with Jesus, saying seven. Jesus astounded him by saying 70 times seven. He wasn't making a mathematical equation of 490. He was saying infinite. So indeed, we need to be saved. You need to be saved today. I'm going to lead this prayer. And if what I'm saying is what you believe, you repeat after me. And you will begin your journey in Jesus. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Father God, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. I believe Christ rose the third day in the tomb in both body and spirit. I confess faith in Jesus Christ he died that I might live. I will follow him as Lord and Savior, repenting should I fall.
Commented my heart, Lord God, and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. So be it, and it is. And so, every journey begins with that single step, and you've just taken it. Or if you've been running away from God, now you're headed back toward him. Praise God. Uh, oh, the Lord is good, isn't he? Once we're saved, we need to be baptized, as we were mentioning before. Baptized in water, we do it by immersion because that's how Jesus was. That's the example from the Bible. And the most important thing is to do it on the right side of the cross. It is showing your profession of faith. It's showing that Christ has forgiven your sins, not a promise that someday maybe you'll turn to God, which is the other alternative, baptized before salvation. Also, you must read the Bible. How are you going to be able to defeat the devil when you don't know who God is? When you don't know what you could have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Read that word. Pray to pray first thing in the morning. Head off Satan at the pass and make sure to also join with others as you need to as well. Prayer and agreement is powerful. Come to church online or in person. My friends, I'm encouraging you to come to our church online if you don't have a good Bible-believing and practicing church where you are. And practicing is very, very important. A lot of people talk a good game, but then they don't actually live it. Unfortunately, I've seen some whole churches like that. And so, friends, you've got to come to a church and get teaching and get preaching and get prayer and have people who care about you. Also, fellowship with other believers. Spend time with each other. Take a little time and give me a call one of these days. <laughs> Maybe pick up that phone and give me a text at 806-463-8793. Why don't you go online to eternitynow.com. Drop me a line to k-h-u-c-k-i-n-s at eternitynow.com or info at eternitynow.com. It'll get to me eventually. Also, pursue personal relationship with Almighty God. He made your frame to beginning the process of people with Adam and Eve. He knit together your soul even before you were in the womb. <laughs> and he placed it right in that body so you could be the unique person that you are today. And he's done that billions of times. Friend, get to know him as he individually knows you. He wants that personal relationship with you because he made you. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this broadcast. For more, including links to all our programs and social media, go to eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. We have over 100 videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's eternitynow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and give you peace.